Welcome to the Two Hip Podcast. This week's guest is a little bit different than usual. Someone a little bit closer to me than I've normally had on the show. She has been involved in my life for many, many years, over a decade. She's an engineer, went to school for engineering. She's involved in a lot of technical sales and works with sensors and has a history with rowing. If you haven't figured it out now, this week's guest is my wife, Elizabeth Henwood Spina. Welcome, Elizabeth Henwood Spina. Thank you. <laughs> Such a formal introduction. Yes, this is pretty weird. To be talking to you on a podcast a little bit <laughs> we could just have a normal conversation and record it but that's it's like impossible to do and still have it be, feel normal yeah i'm very curious to see what kind of questions you are going to be asking Ooh, yeah me. deep dive i'm gonna dig i'm gonna pull out everything i can do you th- think you'll learn anything new about me maybe we'll see i'd be surprised but I, I don't know. That's not true, though. We learn new things every day, right? I feel like I tell a lot of old stories, but at the same time, there's always something yeah. that we say to each other. We're like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that. True. And if you're evolving as a person, then you have new thoughts or new viewpoints, right? Yeah. Full of surprises. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> I, I was being really vague, and I realized in my intro that no one's going to be surprised because it's going to say your name on the podcast it's gonna say like <laughs> liz liz Spina, and they're gonna be like oh yeah okay they're gonna put it together but they might not know details about you that some of the people my my vast amount of listeners as i as i say why don't you explain yourself explain yourself the hostile segment where you explain you like you're on trial i feel like you focused on my like credentials and the my career and all of the typical labels which is funny because i've had many different careers (laughs) i've had sort of a winding career path if you will and who knows where it'll bring me so to just say oh she's in technical sales like i don't know if that really defines who i am as a person even though that's what i'm doing currently well then yeah let's get into who you are as a person but go on yeah i guess most recently i am a mother of two kids as you are aware because you are the father of those (laughs) same two kids (laughs) and gosh i this is like very open-ended now that i set myself up and like took my career out of it i'm like well sheesh who am i if i'm not you know who if, if my job's not gonna define me that puts a lot of pressure on this question well, we can we can skip around <laughs> if you want i like to overthink things how about that that defines me <laughs> based off bit. of the answer to this question a little bit yeah <laughs> but that's okay yeah i have some ideas of things that would take this in a new conversation direction because a lot of this stuff we talk about all the time all these things that built into the podcast we were talking about long before the podcast yeah you're probably right before i get into everything that i talk to with my guests i have the segment where i I ask people critical questions about their authenticity. Let me just start by introducing the segment. The next segment is the two hypocrisy. Two hypocrisy, like the recaptcha for authenticity. Meant to be easy on humans, hard on hipster bots. So here's something, and we have talked about this before, but I feel like early in my career so like right after college so like some of the first jobs that I had I felt like I had to basically be like the best employee ever and I thought that that meant only ever being interested in the things involved with doing the job so Mm -hmm. I never felt like I could talk about like side hobbies and other possible career interests and you know, it, it like now it seems kind of funny because I've come so far from that. And that's only, gosh, what was that? 10 years ago. Yeah, 10 years ago. 2009. That's, that's a long time. We're old and now. And now it's 2019. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like looking back on my first couple jobs, like I was so afraid to talk about different career ambitions. And I think part of it maybe was... I was really unhappy in like my first job out of college. Mm-hmm. 
so I was afraid to be really honest about that and talk about all these other hopes and dreams I had that my life would hopefully morph into somehow, which now I feel like it has. I just felt like I was putting up this like front of like, oh, I'm a happy employee that really likes what I'm doing. But in reality, that was not the case at all. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's that's come up on the podcast a couple of times. People just and I've said it myself too. people have a hard time being themselves at work. There's a there's a definite divide between work versions of yourself and your home version. And maybe there's a reason for it. Um, maybe not, but I feel like, as I've said in a couple episodes, it's it's like almost completely disappeared, like the difference for me. And I feel like you, you've said similarly. And, and, you know, I've met your coworkers and I don't feel like I'm acting any differently in front of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, and maybe part of it too is like the company culture or just maybe I'm more confident in myself. I'm not sure, maybe, or maybe a combination, but I feel like now I'm in a place where it's okay to talk about career ambitions, whether or not that means staying at my company forever. Like mm-hmm. it's okay to not stay at my company forever if that's what ends up happening. Or even just like side hobbies or small business ideas that I have or whatever it might be. It doesn't have to be directly aligned with my current job title. It sounds silly maybe, but I've come a long way. <laughs> no, that's I think that's good. That's a that's that's like a very honest perspective on that that part of your life. And and I keep questioning I've had a lot of people who are similar age to us. I want to have a little more age diversity in my guests just to kind of find out if there's points in your life where you're you know more inward or maybe not as confident is are we just at a point where we're like right about where we're reaching this this confidence level yeah i'm not really sure what it is i i want to like interview kids like younger people just to see where that line is and what point you really feel like you're the most confident in your life yeah well i feel like your 20s is definitely sort of like stumbling along and trying Mm -hmm. different things like you're really like experimenting you might not quite be sure what is sort of your your path. So I think it's probably more normal. And yeah, I guess we've been lucky to sort of land in professional positions where we're both pretty content, where we're challenged, but also you've heard the term flow, right? So it's like, it's challenging enough where we're not bored but it's also achievable. So mm-hmm. it's like a good balance between the two. So you can get in like a good flow, a good rhythm and really like enjoy the work you're doing. I feel like we both kind of found that in our jobs and yeah, I feel like the culture had... has a lot to do with it too. Um, like in addition to being able to get into that flow state, you know, there's a whole bunch of different components, but right. I was, I was going to say, I feel like you've had that in multiple jobs and I've been jealous of it. And I've only recently <clears throat> really found a job where I felt like it was like that. And I don't know if that's just the architecture world is more brutal and they're like not as flexible or understanding or, or I, I do feel like I remember the way you were searching for jobs was different. Like you were, you were all looking for culture ever since the first job. Like you had such a bad culture experience at the first job. I think from then on you were just like, I'm not going to leave a job unless I have a similar sort of good culture that I can go after. Yeah. And you know what's funny? I've sort of like realized this recently and it's something I'm working on, I guess. But so I'm in sales, as you know, which we can like debunk that if you want to. Uh, (laughs) If like people uh, have preconceived notions about what a sales job is, um, much like you just described with applying and interviewing for jobs where I tend to like thoroughly research the company, the position and I'll like research the people that I'm interviewing with. Like I'm very deep dive into everything about that role I'm applying for. Mm-hmm. And I tend to have like a very high acceptance rate because I like really You put everything I into put everything like a, into it. A handful and, of places, usually one or two. Yeah, so yeah. like I've really never been like denied a job in or like a position that I've interviewed for. Yes, that's pretty amazing. But I feel like I'm sort of similar in like my sales approach, 
which is not a good thing necessarily, but <laughs> I, I spend probably too much time like researching my customers uh, before I actually like make the call to pick them up. Okay. And, and like building a strong relationship with like, like really trying to build that yeah, relationship. Yeah, like my like anchor accounts. Like I have like really strong relationships, but I need to like spread out more and yeah versus i mean it could go either way versus having multiple accounts that are like tenuous little relationships that you don't really follow up on or you have a couple really really good accounts that you put a lot of energy into Mm -hmm. yeah it's similar with uh relationships with the job interviews yeah imagine it like because i did the opposite right like i I was so scared, especially like after the recession. Yeah, you applied to what, like 80 or 100 jobs? jobs. I'm not even exaggerating. Yeah. And I got four interviews. Uh-huh. And all of them were through connections, mm-hmm. whether direct or indirect. So that goes back to like that whole idea of trying to make connections. And you've, you've met it. Actually, I feel like most of those jobs you branched out without connections. Uh-huh. Uh, your latest job, you had a connection, but per, the one in uh, California. You weren't really connected. Oh, you know what well, you were. I Never sort mind. Of did yeah. I forgot. Yeah, you were you were doing yoga and then. No, it wasn't yoga. Or it sorry, was my massage, massage, massage therapy, therapy training class. Yes, yes. So should I tell that story? Yeah, go it's for it. Funny. So, well, well, yeah. When we well, lived in California, you yeah. Just so when that. we lived in California, I was going to school to be a massage therapist, which I did, by the way. So speaking of another uh, my job winding life. career path, yeah. and and I've enjoyed all of these different career ventures, but anyway. So I was taking, it wasn't even like the main workshop, like the main certification courses that were like weeks and weeks and weeks. This was just like this little add-on workshop thing that I did. Right. And it was like specializing like the shoulder muscles. (laughs) And, (laughs) And this woman who was in the class, so I at the time was working as a dog trainer, if you recall. Yes. While I was taking this class. Fun fact. Well... Regardless of the good or bad news you're you're learning about Michael Jackson right now, the um the person that you worked for was the trainer for Michael Jackson's animals of elephant like, elephant. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah, for elephants. Yeah, because it was in that part of California, like not yeah. too far from there. Yeah. So another tangent. So getting back to the original story. So I was looking for a job, and San Luis Obispo is like a super small town. Mm-hmm. There's like basically one company to work for, <laughs> and it's a software company. And this woman had like a bag, I think, that had like the name of the company on it. I was like, oh, like I wonder if she knows someone that works there, like how she has this bag. And, right. and I ended up like talking to her and I'm kind of glad I didn't really know who she was right. when I started the conversation because I think that would have made me really nervous. <laughs> <laughs> but it turns out I'm she was the wife of the CEO of the company. Yeah. And so she basically <laughs> sent an email and like got me an interview at the company. Which you had previously applied <laughs> I had previously and applied didn't get. And cause didn't, yeah, because it's like... It's a hard job to get. Yeah. Everybody, as you pointed out, is trying to get a job at this place. Yeah, exactly. So that worked out well for me. So you never know like where you're going to meet people that can sort of open a door for you. Well, and I think that's <laughs> that's the thing about like these winding careers. Everybody I've talked to, I'm fascinated by how winding their careers are because you keep thinking it's going to go one way and it goes another way. And if you kind of go with it and you follow some of these instincts and you build the relationships over worrying about the career per se, mm-hmm. like it's still good to obviously build your career and career development. But I think it's just, it's ultimately about the relationships and the more real you are and the more upfront you are with your side interests then you find connections mm-hmm. you know like if you if you hadn't pursued massage then this wouldn't have worked out and that was like really a like one of the only stable things in our life at that point i was in classes and i was working like piecemeal jobs and it was just kind of hectic and that was like how we kind of leveled out when we were in yeah. california yeah like health insurance yeah all the you know <laughs> the things an adult should have uh that we had didn't have for a little while there yeah so yeah that's the only time in my life i didn't i went like a couple months without health insurance and i think you did yeah too, no right? like I, I, we both which, were like uninsured. looking back i would never do that now but we were like young and caution uh, the wind yeah just had sort of no obligations to anyone so we we're like yeah I think with Cobra insurance, it was going to be like $500 a month or something. And there's like no way we could have afforded it. So yeah, it all worked out. Yes. I want to actually talk about something that I think relates to authenticity, even though it is, it's sort of a, a tangent, but I, I think it's relevant because I, 
I want to highlight an aspect of people's lives that we've been talking about a lot lately that I don't think people are aware of. And if anybody's listening, maybe not that they're not aware of, but just I'll just get to it rather than beating around the bush. There's a huge percentage of people in the U.S. in debt. And we were we were in this situation where went to college. There was tuition costs mostly on my end. Um, you were, you, we were very fortunate that you had a scholarship. There's a lot of relationships where both people are heavily in debt from college. You know, I used to think mine was a lot. It's not, I'm not, it's not as drastic as some of the ones I've heard. I'm not going to say it's nothing. Um, it's pretty drastic. It's pretty drastic, <laughs> but it was also it's not like fi- you came out with like, with like zero. You're a doctor no, I know, I know. And, and then, yeah, architecture is one of those things where you, you come out and you're not making as much as like a doctor, but you go through five years of school. You got seven exams, all this like crazy expensive stuff to, to become licensed. And then you make like half the salary for the rest of your life of like a doctor or someone who has another normal professional degree. Probably not quite half. But. All right. <laughs> Fine. Thanks. Uh, so, but I, well, the reason I want to talk about this is I want to highlight it because I was kind of scared to even talk about it for a while publicly. Uh, and, yeah. and also I think a lot of people think they're financially better off than they are and they're lying to themselves. And so this goes back to that truth and authenticity. You got to be real with yourself. You got to look at this from the outside in and try to be real with yourself because you probably are struggling more than you think you are. Anybody who's listening, (laughs) you think you're doing well. I, I, we literally like, I I mean, I was tracking everything. I I thought I was on top of my game. We were, we were paying things, but then you look at it and you're like, there's all this money's disappearing. And you, we felt like we were chasing what was happening rather than, uh, planning ahead and it's like a slight mind shift do you want to like describe the Dave also, Ramsey thing and like how that shift happened well I think also we were like really spread out and trying to do too many things at once right and so we didn't feel like we were making any progress and it was just really frustrating all the time and yeah so I can get into it a little bit if you would like yes. um, I feel like so if anyone's familiar with Dave Ramsey we were both sort of hesitant to like drink the kool-aid uh yeah it almost sounds <laughs> cultish like when yeah. you look at videos and clips online yeah and he's, he's very much like preaching mm-hmm. and he ha- he has like a re- religious connection it's all and he's it's, evangelical christian i'm pretty sure too so right so like... it very much feels like you're at like an evangelical yeah sermon you know if you're listening yeah to any so of the in the beginning it kind of rubs you the wrong way but now i actually listen to the podcast quite frequently because i really enjoy hearing like people call in and like give very explicitly like this is how much money i make this is how much debt i'm in this is what we're trying to achieve right blah 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 and it's actually like really kind of like eye-opening to hear some of the numbers that people are dealing with for better or worse um and well and, and the good side is the time span that regardless of that that they still yeah you know get rid of the debt so i think the biggest thing is like basically he has seven baby steps and so that's what i was saying like we used to be trying to save for college pay off our own college invest in our 401ks like pay off the house put money away in savings for an emergency fund like do all these things at once we just didn't have the capacity to do all that once and and or we did but it was like very just very slowly chipping away and Mm -hmm. it was like we didn't feel like we were moving forward at all so it was just very frustrating so danton is more of like the uh financial uh manager in the you're like the uh (laughs) cfo in the house (laughs) Uh, i'm like the ceo and i tell you what to do (laughs) thanks thanks yeah um so i actually like it was at the point where like i never wanted to even know like what the numbers were because like I knew there was a lot of debt and I didn't want to I was like afraid to know what the numbers were because they just were so intimidating and I didn't see any way out of it Mm -hmm. and there was no like light at the end of the tunnel no plan to overcome it so I was like well we're just going to be in debt forever is kind of how I felt and I was like so I just would rather not know about it I was like just pay what we got to pay and like figure it out but I just didn't want to to know what the real damage was but then yeah so with these baby steps the first step is build like a small emergency fund and then baby step two is the debt snowball so like you're just getting really intense and putting all of your efforts into paying off debt so you're not focusing on saving you're not focusing on retirement although we're sort of fudging that a little bit (laughs) 
to meet our company's match at least for this short time while we're in this right we both have companies that match so that's probably a good thing to continue and he even said that in one of some of the interviews with people he's depending on how long you're going to be in baby step two it seems like um right is what determines according to him but uh so i think the biggest thing and the other thing that we've got out of it is that uh it's so much of it is just behavioral and again i I like feel like I can like quote Dave Ramsey because <laughs> you've like been listening to it so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think he says something like it's eighty percent behavioral and like only twenty percent head knowledge, mm-hmm. like being financially fit, financially healthy. Right. And I feel like that's actually very true because I don't feel like we have really learned. It's not like we are financial gurus now and we like are have some trick that we learned. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really not about, it's not, there's no trick to it. It's just changing your behaviors um, and focusing on one thing at a time. So, like, for us to just be focusing on getting out of debt, it gives you, like, a lot of momentum. And you can really see the progress that you're making, which I think is huge. Like, for me, like, you know how I like to see on the spreadsheet, like, exactly every month, like, how much we're... Yes. You want, well, you want to see like a visualization mm. of the numbers. It's yeah. not just the numbers, but but. Well, that's true too. Yeah, but. <laughs> I got I got to fancy it up a little bit, but no, I, I think it's it's one of those things that the momentum has been insane. I mean, we we really didn't start this that long ago. Things just start kicking in. There's you realize there's more places where things you have money that you don't realize. Like there's some places we had money that we pulled it out of certain accounts yeah. that really weren't doing anything for us. Yeah. You know, you, we misunderstood a few types of like life insurance that we thought was good to have years ago and really wasn't basically don't buy whole life yeah whole life is like a bad investment (laughs) that happens to have life insurance and you could just save that money and then put it to something later i mean we can we can get into the weeds and i I also want to say that like i'm not i'm not telling everybody should go praise you know dave ramsey or follow him or anything like that (laughs) but it's more just like this financial awareness find your own thing whatever works for you this worked for us and as liz already pointed out like we're sort of cheating with the retirement thing like we have some subtle things we're doing differently we're probably putting a little bit more in some side savings things because we have some projects that we want to wrap up with the house Mm -hmm. but it's pretty minor stuff and we still feel great though because we have this momentum we have like a lot more planning we're just it's that shift from chasing our tail to like planning one step ahead Mm -hmm. and like the fact that we have a couple emergency funds specific to things that we know are going to happen we always tried to get to that point we have money for car maintenance ahead of time right and which we never had it's almost at the point where you always that always comes up but we every time the car would have an issue be like oh crap we gotta come up with a few hundred bucks like (laughs) it just wasn't planned out right and we weren't really putting the right energy in and there's just so much money that burns away for really stupid things and we got a lot better and you know what the other fun side effect is i'm like so nuts about like getting this debt really paid off very soon and we're on a a good track for that i've also we've also been eating healthier as a side effect we've been saving money on like groceries and takeout Uh, there was one point we were renovating our house and like our kitchen wasn't finished and we had we had lots of reasons that we were eating poorly but it just yeah we were eating out a lot and now we eat at home like probably 28 days out of the month right and then like i also (laughs) i used to do i feel like i used to do work lunches a lot more like it's one of the it's all these like little things that you you think are just oh it's 10 bucks here and there whatever but it adds up to so much and then on top of that i've just been losing weight i feel like we're both healthier Mm-hmm. Like everyone just seems healthier in the house. Yeah, I think like when you get control of like one part of your life, that definitely like spills over into other parts of your life. Like you're like, oh, I can gain control over this other part of my life too. Mm-hmm. Like what I'm eating. Like so, we're doing more meal planning now, and it makes it so much easier. That's the funny thing is we are both financially and diet wise. Mm-hmm. Like it's actually gotten easier. Which is crazy because you would think like, oh, we're on a budget now and we're meal planning now and you would think that that would feel really like restricting. But actually it gives you like the freedom to spend within like certain categories. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, like we allocated a little bit of money for me to like get a massage every once in a while. And before, I used to get a massage every once in a while. So, like, the amount of massages I'm getting probably is not changing. (laughs) But now, it's like we decided ahead of time that we have this money set aside for this. I don't feel guilty about using it. 
I know that we can still like pay all the bills and meet all our other well-planned out financial goals, even if I get the massage. I can actually enjoy it a lot more. Yeah. Versus before I would just go do it and like, I wouldn't know if we could actually afford it or not, but I just was like, ah, I'm just going to pretend we have enough money for this. Yeah. I mean, like the minute, (laughs) the the big difference is like the minute we know something's on the horizon, aside from sort of the car maintenance stuff, but like, like, for example, we have a couple of weddings that as as soon as we heard about them, actually, even before we heard about them, there were like whispers about (laughs) the weddings. We were like, I I have a feeling some things might happen between these people. And so we were, we were already kind of planning. And then when it happened, it was like, all right, this is perfect. We already have money saved. And and now like I can enjoy those weddings and like, we're going to stay in the hotel that night and make like, you know, we'll have a little date night, like, you know, enjoy it. And yeah, not feel guilty. Exactly. Whereas before, like I've been in weddings before where I didn't have the money ahead of time and I was just like Mm -hmm. ticked off that I had to spend money to be in this wedding and couldn't fully enjoy. I was like, you know, bitter about it. (laughs) Obviously I enjoyed myself, like, but not like as fully as you can when you plan for it. Any of those side things that need to happen, the guilt is like completely gone now because we're, yeah, it's, it's all part of the plan rather than like stuff that's sidetracking us. Yeah. Yeah. So like it actually has been making me, it's funny we're talking about this because on the way home today from work, I was thinking like, man, like I feel like this shift in our like financial life has just had so many positive influences Mm -hmm. and like other, our life as a whole, many different pieces of it. And it's made me wonder like, are there other areas of our life, other categories, I guess, where this could translate that we're not thinking about, you know, Mm -hmm. like it makes me want to sort of rethink some of the ways that we handle other parts of our life that like i can't i don't even know what those things might be yeah it's like trying to predict future technology yeah but it just makes me wonder like where else in my life am i super ignorant and like doing things terribly wrong maybe (laughs) yeah like we're just just like maybe there's something yeah but i guess sometimes you have to fumble your way through and learn the hard way right well and things change too so like how can you stay on top of it we've said that though um like speaking of learning the hard way like with sort of having to climb out of debt now and like get financially on track i feel like if you don't have to go through this process you know whether your family has money or like you've were smart enough to go through college without having any debt like Mm -hmm. and you don't know the burden of it you might sort of like fall in and out of a little bit of debt throughout your life yeah or later in life you might get really screwed Um, basically yeah so like in a way maybe it's like a blessing in disguise because i think we definitely that's what the optimistic (laughs) poor people say but yeah (laughs) it's a blessing in disguise being poor we learned our lesson no but it's it's i think legitimate and this also relates to ultimately like the bigger picture of this this podcast is like being real with yourself being honest with who you are yeah i, I feel like this has opened everything up like I, feel, I even just the story slam thing drastically ramped up like right when this started every aspect of our life as you point out just got this this boost in confidence and just pressure released where we both just felt There's like a light at the end of the tunnel yeah <laughs> and and it's only gotten easier we've cut off a substantial amount of time just by shifting some things around yeah and I think anybody could do this, and the earlier you do it, the better. Anybody that's listening, family, friends, strangers, <laughs> who's ever listening to this, you know, whatever point in time, I think it's it's very wise to try to do. And, yeah, that, I, I just wish I had done it earlier. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. Something else that I realized, like, throughout this process is that I feel like I never talked about money with people in my life, mm-hmm. whether it was coworkers, friends, family, whatever it is. But now, like, because we're so like excited and enthusiastic about this process. I feel myself, I find myself like talking about it. Some people maybe are weirded out that I'm like talking about personal finances, right. <laughs> like yeah. paying off debt and stuff. So I think it like maybe catches people off guard or it's sort of like a faux pas to talk about these things. But which wealth, is, wealthy families which is unfortunate. talk about their yeah. finances pr- more than fam- families that don't have as much money, right? Wasn't that something that Dave Ramsey was saying? No, maybe mis- yeah. misremembering. We're just like <laughs> making stuff up now. But uh... it, it appears though that like people I know who are wealthier, like they're communicating in their family, and they, they might not always be explicit with like very mm-hmm. specific numbers, but they're at least communicating about it and be like being yeah. aware of what's happening. Well, and I think that's something that we've talked about. Like Leander is going to be four in a couple months, and mm-hmm. just how are how we're going to educate our own kids you know so that they 
aren't like obsessed with money, but realize that money is like a tool and has a purpose and like how to handle it. Oh, yeah. And the other thing I was going to say to that, what you were saying a second ago about like the struggles, like them not having struggles. Like for us, for example, we, we are having to learn the hard way how to like have financially healthy lives. But if we were raised in a family where money was just sort of like more abundant, if you will. And right, right available to us and our parents paid for all of our college and all, like maybe we yeah, like, realize like, the struggles so and... should we should we financially <laughs> stilt them just early no, enough I, that they learn I, from it i think but i think the ba- the healthy balance would be to treat them or to teach them responsibility and they have to earn their own money and understand how it works and we have to educate them on that even if like we are financially really healthy at that point, hopefully that's the case when right. they're well, old enough. Tune in but even when they're younger, we that. can do like little things. I want to start looking into this actually, like just little things we can do to start teaching them about how money works. So Okay, I'm on board. Let's keep rolling with some other things here because I feel like we've been talking about finance and this is the not the financial advice. And podcast. I feel like this is one of our family financial meetings. Yeah. <laughs> This is like a really big tangent, but it has a lot to do with authenticity. There was on the Joe Rogan podcast a guest. Her last name is Deresta. Forgetting her first name. It's a recent podcast episode. But she is basically one of these researchers and works with the government in terms of understanding how Russia has... Renee. Renee. That's what it is. Renee Deresta. Thank you. You, did you listen to it? You listened like to part 10 of it. minutes. Okay, that's fine. But it's okay because I, I still want to have the conversation. But she was basically researching what was happening with like Facebook and Twitter and all these like Russian bots, as they're called, which they're really not bots. Most of the time, they're actually controlled by people. And sometimes they're like a some sort of bot. But like creating memes and those fake Facebook events and all that stuff. She got into the weeds on this. And really shined a light on how drastic it is. I think it got, it almost got like sideswiped. You know, it's a serious thing. I feel like people were talking about it for a minute, but, you know, in the current political climate, things like this just get pushed and, and people keep moving. But it's one of those things that is insane. Russia has been meddling for years, years and years with American culture. And effectively, like, they'll create an account. And then for years and years, they'll post specific things and they'll slowly build up an identity, get to know a certain group of people. Maybe it's, you know, someone involved in something like Black Lives Matter, or maybe it's someone who is a, you know, a very big gun advocate. Whatever the case may be, they get really ingratiated with this group digitally, start creating memes, generating like these things that those people relate to, build a following. It's not always the biggest following, but it's enough to sort of start momentum. And then after years of this, then they throw in the more like politically motivated stuff and they start steering these people in different directions. And then eventually it got to the point where there were physical events that were scheduled. You know, those contradicting events you may have heard on the news where I think one of them was like a Muslim, a pro-Muslim group and then like an anti-Muslim group were scheduled at the same time. There, There were like 85 of these, these real life events that were affected. And then that's just the number of real life events, um, that were documented, but there could have been more, you know, there could have been events where there was someone sort of working behind the scenes. The point is, this is very inauthentic and there's lots of fakeness on the internet and there's all this sort of, uh, stress and worry about like, what do you, what do you even, do you even know what's real anymore on the internet? And after all this, if nothing else, Russia has succeeded in planting this seed of distrust and the idea that like media is fake news and, and all these things that have grown up. I mean, it's not just Russia that's doing this, but there are a lot of things happening in our world right now that that's making us feel this way. Like, are you stressed out about this at all? I'm, I just, I listened to this two hour podcast, which I encourage people to listen to with Renee Duresta. It's like been on my mind since I left work earlier when I was listening to it. And I haven't listened to enough of it. But like, does that, that topic stress you out about people being inauthentic online? Like what about like our kids communicating on this? That's the other thing I'm worried about. I mean, I think the most impressionable, impressionable people <laughs> for these are naive people or kids. And they're the ones that see this stuff and think it's real or they follow a meme or then they follow someone. And before you know it, they're like, oh, this person agrees with me in X, Y, and Z yeah. aspects of my life. I have a lot of uh, like anxiety probably around World social events. media and technology for other reasons. 
for with kids so like add what you're talking about into the melting pot of uncertainty of what technology for kids is going to look like in the next 10 20 years that just probably yeah like stresses me out even more because it's like so many things out of our control like what our kids are going to have access to Mm -hmm. so even people that aren't trolls or bots or whatever they are like they're going to have potentially access to all kinds of unfiltered things through social media or different websites like that's something you and I have talked about like needing to just sort of research like what's best practice now is like a parent when like our kids aren't old enough yet they don't have phones and they're not on the computer on their own like so we haven't had to worry about it yet but it's definitely like on my mind and I think about what is that going to look like because even like when we were in high school like I remember chat rooms and like that was a thing like I used to go into like chat rooms and like talk to like who knows who the heck I was talking to I was probably talking Russian bots for all I know or some old man in a different (laughs) yeah exactly and that was just like the beginning of all of like and that was at home on my family computer at like 11 at night and like my mom was in the next room Mm -hmm. and (laughs) I don't know what she thought I was doing but um, (laughs) um, but to think that like kids have access to this stuff like 24 7 like on their phones yeah it's kind of an overwhelming topic in general as i've pointed out like this uh, the growing up aspect of parenting like the or sorry raising kids at that age where they're trying to like come into their own personality and like figure out who they are how do you do that with all this stuff i just don't i don't know and and i'm i feel like we're pretty technologically savvy but it doesn't mean that i like you know that's come with years of understanding and we came up in it at an age where we were just old enough to like have restraint and still go outside and be active like we were that last generation of people where i felt mm-hmm. like we had technology but we were also active like outdoor type people and now yeah. that's it's a very different shift that's happened over i the think last i'm years. hopeful that because our generation now our this technology has been available long enough where we've seen how it affects kids and i'm hoping that with the kids that are our kids age currently why right. can't i form the sentence um but like i'm hoping that parents will sort of unite and be like no this isn't acceptable anymore like our kids need to have screen free time and mm-hmm. maybe like i've seen different pledges where like parents agree like you're not going to give phones to your kids till like age 12 or whatever it is mm-hmm. um because kids are getting phones like ridiculously early well and i think to what you're saying because we're the generation that sort of understood what was happening with this technology mm-hmm. as it was taking off and we were there as that was progressing in like an age where you're growing up with it. We had, like I said, that balance. I'm hoping that there's enough knowledge now about the damage that this can do that people are more tuned into it. And it seems that way with the parents that I talk to. But also it feels like, you know, the, the older generations where this wasn't an issue for them growing up you know for for almost decades at this point they've been giving these kids just phones and just letting them play with things and it started out innocently enough i'm sure like a parent who was just stressed out and said oh you know i have my dvd portable dvd player when that was a thing you know before laptops and they're just like yeah let's watch a movie in the car you know Mm -hmm. like and that was that was like the thing that i i remember portable dvd players that's Mm -hmm. a big distraction you know for kids and it's just ballooned since then and i think it's just a go-to as a distraction like we need to distract distract them in this moment, but yeah. I think. And tell me if you agree with this, but like, do you think they should put their foot down a little bit more strongly, firmly in the beginning, so that it has like better benefits in the long run? Yeah, the thing that is tricky, like, so look at cigarettes, for example. Like, we know cigarettes are bad for you, and you shouldn't have them at all. Mm-hmm. Like, it's easy enough to be like, okay, I'm not going to smoke cigarettes. But with social media and technology, like there's nothing inherently wrong with being on Instagram for a few minutes or, you know, checking Facebook or whatever it is that you're you're doing. There's nothing inherently wrong with those individual actions. But like collectively, when you look at it and if it becomes this mindless activity you're partaking in without even realizing it and you're just spending limitless <laughs> amounts of time on it without being intentional about it I think that's when it becomes a problem so I think the key is being intentional like I that's like yeah, that's my word, word yeah. for 
the year is intentional. I like that. Um, but it's easier said than done, like for us, right? So like we have to definitely set those boundary with, boundaries with kids. I was listening to, oh, I forget his name. Maybe you could put it in the show notes. But I listened to um, someone that wrote a book called like Digital Minimalism and mm-hmm. uh, another book called Deep Work. I can't remember his name. But he's like a computer scientist and he talks about all of the things that I'm sort of touching on right now. But one of the things that he predicts is that there's got to be in the next like 10, 20 years, some sort of shift where kids don't have unlimited access to social media, just like the interwebs Mm -hmm. in general, because it's insane, like what they could stumble upon. And, and he's like, this is a super educated, knowledgeable guy on this particular topic. And he's like, I think we're going to look back on this time and be like, I can't believe that we gave kids like unlimited access to all of this. Like he's, Oh yeah. He's like that. We're going to look back on this and just be like, what were we thinking? Because I don't think we fully know like what the repercussions are long-term because again, like each individual action of like, you know, checking your tweets and I never get into Twitter. I don't know what the, <laughs> the lingo for that <laughs> is, but um, yeah, like it's, it's just collectively like when you look at, all the time you spend on there and how that influences you well, and, and even uh, like the two of the simplest things that i see people do all the time now and it's extremely frustrating kids i'm saying when i say people like <laughs> younger children younger and up to like teenage i would say and we we literally just saw this the other day but at dinner Ugh. on the phone <laughs> like they literally can't make it through the dinner yeah without it's being terrible on the phone. it's really sad actually that's so frustrating and the other one is i feel like but, such like an old like back in my day but we we're did. not we're not the <laughs> person like, that should be like we're the we're the relatively younger yeah. generation right now when you consider how many people like there, there's older generations than us that's what's mind-boggling though is that like parents just seem totally fine with that and like i'm not 100 percent like anti-screens like no screens ever like no our kid but, watches movies but, but like it's at intentional, dinner right? out at a restaurant i understand that it's I understand there's exceptions and, you know, every once in a while, whatever, maybe it's not that big a deal. But I, I definitely think that there are families that make it like a regular thing. And, and as soon as you do that, you've lost. Yeah, you set up that expectation. And then like, how are you ever going to get that back? And also, it's just dinner might be literally the only time in the day where you get to like sit down and connect with your family. Especially if you're and, like, working if parents. If you're taking that away too, yeah. like it's just kind of sad. It's like, what could you possibly do, be doing on your phone that's more important? Like, when you're on your deathbed, are you going to look back and be like, oh, I wish I had checked more of those Instagram feeds? Right. No, you're <laughs> going to be like, I wish I had spent more quality time with my family. Right. So just just reflecting on your actions and, like, being more proactive about how you spend your time. I think something else that, like, is really important for everyone of all ages is just ha- being bored like experiencing boredom Mm -hmm. and having to like deal with your thoughts like ooh, scary right that's (laughs) but it kind of is like um nowadays like even something i've been thinking about speaking of podcasts i was trying to like look this up but i think it's so new i don't think there's really like solid research on it yet but like so for example my commute i used to have quiet time or i'd talk Mm -hmm. to the phone or talk on the phone with like family or friends, or I'd listen to music. That was like the only options. Or I'd listen to an audiobook from the library that I would rent. Those are my only options. But now we have like this limitless library of podcasts that you can listen to. Right. So like I don't have any downtime like I used to on my commute. And I've actually <laughs> gotten to the point where sometimes I just I'm like, I have too much. I'm like, ah, I can't, I just have to like put the windows down and not listen to anything mm-hmm. or I'll listen to music. But because podcasts require you, your attention and you're sort of actively, your mind is working to follow along the conversation. Yeah. So what Liz is saying is turn the podcast off. Turn- now. <laughs> but like music at least gives you like, there's sort of this framework, but you have like, you can be create have creative thoughts while you're listening to music and your mind can wander. Right. And like, I don't think we have enough of that time anymore and i've but like at the same time podcasts can be so valuable and it's like a really great way you don't have to backtrack no i'm no but i'm being (laughs) serious i listen to them 
all the time. That's what I'm trying to say. But because they're, but like, I, I do see people. I see people I enjoy walking them. with headphones on. Yeah, now, and like riding bikes with headphones on. They just go everywhere with headphones on, which it's. Again, which I'm, I'm fascinated with, see how riding the connected, bikes with headphones I know, is safe, by I know. the way. <laughs> but it's it's good that we're all connected like this. But but it just comes back to like connecting with people that are open, actually yeah, around to the you. world. There's so many people where I, I'm like walking up to them and I'm, you know, I'm trying to catch a train or something. Yeah. And they're just so absorbed in whatever they're listening to yeah. that they're not even aware of the people around them. And it makes it very difficult. It's like basically the equivalent of just having a bunch of Uber drivers and Lyft drivers blocking up a street at like <laughs> one in the morning. And they just all sit in the middle and like they're all looking at GPS. Like we're so super connected and also so disconnected of what's right in front of yeah. us. I think there's got to be some sort of, I don't know if it'll be as drastic as like a, as a revolution, but like there has to be some change because if we keep going the rate that we're going now to like being so connected with our devices, it's just not yeah. going to be good. Is this like the point in the time <laughs> machine story by HG Wells where like... <laughs> the two different species like branch off like do, the, does one of us like <laughs> hi, like become a morphed in with the computer and like turns Wally into like turns androids into Wally. or Wally yeah which is even worse or like I'm envisioning androids but your Wally is probably more likely where like everybody the tech just keeps making itself and the people just get less and less healthy instead of the option like we have this this idealized version of tech in the future and everyone's like cyborgs and this yeah. and that but yeah the reality is we're probably more going to just sit there and watch stuff than we are going to be active and yeah. like do things like that because why yeah and uh thinking about like augmented reality like imagine if you don't even need your phone anymore imagine if a screen can just pop up in front of you and you can just use your eyes right to which we're pretty much there i mean yeah that's like we're not google far glass from, was not too we're not far, far from, that. from that yeah like that's gonna be a game changer and i think we have to think about like what does that mean for our society and like humankind for real yeah we're we're stressed about this stuff i feel like but like what were our parents generation grandparents (laughs) like they're stressed about like wars famine the great depression like all these things and throughout time as a parent are you just always stressed out about stuff is that just how it works now like we're just stressed like i don't think i was as stressed about this future i in in a lot of ways i kind of fantasized about it i mean I, i was a huge fan of the ready player one book like a few years back before that turned into the movie and like loved conceptually i like all this stuff i'm friends with alex alex coulomb who was the guest of the i believe it was the second episode you can look him up but he's like a vr ar expert mm-hmm. like i've i've modeled things and then put them into virtual reality with the the oculus rift headset yeah. like i'm very tied into it but at the same time it, like mm. I, I just feel like it's this bittersweet relationship where i'm stressed I f- out feel like it all comes down to everything in moderation and being intentional but but societally, can we do that? And society are not really capable of that, unfortunately, uh. as we have seen. So it takes like a lot of willpower and self-control and like self-awareness to unplug from all of that because we are so heavily marketed to for all of these things. Everybody else is doing it. Like it's just hop on the train and become the world of Wally basically like I can totally see it going that direction but yeah how do you how yeah, do you be I, real I feel in that like world? there's going to be like a resistance <laughs> against it there's going to be people that that fight against it but uh yeah I don't well know. that it's that Joe be... Rogan podcast episode that I was talking about with Renee DeResta I keep saying her name because she really is a fascinating person she's got lots of stuff outside of his podcast that she's been involved with the one like sort of light at the end of that tunnel was that she talks about the sort of infrastructure and legislation that might go into place for how certain things like social media networks are policed mm-hmm. in a way that like, you know, normal media programs are policed. Before anyone really knew what Facebook was, Facebook ads were allowed to not include certain disclaimers and like they were allowed to get away with different things because they were they were like in the same category as I think air skywriting or something as far as like advertising goes where like it's just skywriting yeah no that's a real thing you got to listen to the episode but basically because like you can't practically write a disclaimer at the bottom of like a skywriting ad like this medicine is not good you know like one of those like long medical disclaimers that you'll see yeah like they got exempt from that too facebook did as well because on the ads they used to be these tiny little ads and it used to be this little thing in the corner and no one could possibly read it so they got exempt and then years later now they have tons of ads yeah. and they they have all these like loopholes and that yeah. happens with a lot of these big companies it's going to be hard being real without a little bit of infrastructure as you were talking mm-hmm. about the internet too like needing to have a little bit more policing i don't want to 
but also you, maintaining free speech. I know and all it's that, so hard because yeah. I love the freedom of the internet, but yeah. and you know when you grow up in like the wild west here with all this craziness. It's going to have its awesome parts, but it's like the freedom of the Wild West. It yeah, seems, it's like the Wild seems West. seems magical, <laughs> right? But then like the actual realities of living in the Wild West was crazy. Like mm-hmm. people got shot all the time, people killing each other. Like there wasn't a lot of, but it was all self-policed, you know? So yeah, how do, how do we it's try to be so optimistic quickly, with that? Like we're playing catch up as far as like how do we monitor all this stuff and keep our kids safe and... Oh. So we need to like end on a high note or something. Talk about something more positive. Do you want to talk about being yourself? I always tell you that you're like one of the more genuine people I know. If anything, being with you has helped me be more genuine. (laughs) I appreciate that. I know I was giving you a hard time because you interviewed like many, many people before me. And I was like, oh, maybe he doesn't think I'm that authentic. No, that has nothing to do with that. (laughs) It's like the, I'm trying, I was trying to put out this image that I knew people other than my family and friends, which has not worked successfully because it's been all my family and friends. (laughs) We'll see what happens in the future going forward. But nonetheless, so do you, do you feel like you're authentic person? Do you think about it at all? Or is it just second nature? Like you're not thinking about it at all? It's funny because I feel like inherently I'm authentic whether or not I want to be in that. So he just won piece of the puzzle i'm a terrible liar <laughs> so like so, yeah i'm you couldn't be inauthentic if you were trying yeah exactly um but like what's the definition of authenticity i don't know it's that's tough <laughs> it's tough to to nail down i mean I, i'm there are lots of different interpretations of what it is as long as yeah. you're not sort of the hipster version where you're like going out <laughs> of your way to pretend yeah to be like real and you're a pretty real person so i feel it. like i've definitely come into my own in the last few years especially like since becoming a mother i think i've realized especially being kind of like in survival mode as we are with like little yeah. kids <laughs> just cut through the bs I, yeah like it's like i don't have time for anything in my life that isn't important or isn't like adding value mm. so mm-hmm. like if you're a person in my life and i'm still talking to you that means that <laughs> that i think highly of you and i want to maintain our friendship because yeah like if negative relationships or things that don't fit my life like have just sort of whether intentionally or just sort of unintentionally fallen on the wayside like they they're not in my life anymore so it's like only the things that are most important to me that's all I have time for right you like you could look around and look at where I spend my time and that's going to show you like what I value although I will say to all my friends out there listening to this I do value my friendships a lot more than is probably uh, represented by our current life. Represented right now, um, but hopefully that comes back around when the kids get a little bit older. Well, I think the the real friend, the best friendships I find, are those ones where like you just start talking. There's no uh, what's the word pretense. Like you're not you don't have yeah. to explain yourself. It's just you just start talking. Yeah, I think I'm really lucky. I have like a decent sized group of like friends that I would call like really close friends mm-hmm. that I have that with, which is really cool. And there's even people that I haven't talked to like in a couple years probably that I have that with. Right. So it's nice to just know that like I have these connections with people out in the world that I may or may not talk to for a few years at a time. Uh-huh. But like I still like they still have like a place in my heart and like whenever I see them that like sort of lights up again. And yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I guess authenticity, just trying to like be true to myself and yeah, I think just trying to like navigate this crazy world and ask lots of questions along the way and really just like trying to connect with people. And I like I joked about it earlier, but I do sometimes try to think long term and like to put things in perspective. I'll think like, OK, if I was on my deathbed, like what am I going to wish I had done differently? And like it always, always comes back to quality connections with people that I love. Mm-hmm. So like that's what I try to prioritize. We're, we're getting uh, <laughs> and pretty, have fun along the way. Yes, we're we're pretty far into this podcast, and we have one more segment before the the final question. Oh, we're still going. I thought this is like the end, like the wrap up. Not quite. <laughs> it should be because I think that's where we are with the time. But I didn't want to put a time limit on my wife. Kind of awkward. <laughs> we're just having a conversation. This is the moment to talk about donations. Donation directions. Directions on where and how to donate your donations. So I have a cousin 
whose son, he's seven or eight, has been diagnosed with NF2. And my cousin's wife is a doctor and actually founded this group, a nonprofit organization called NF2 Biosolutions, to find, screen, fund, and support gene therapy cure for NF2. It's neurofibromatosis type 2. And I'm just going to read this little blurb here because uh, I don't want to butcher it. (laughs) Go for it. NF2 brain tumors are destroying the hearing nerve, facial nerve, and can kill by pressing on the brain. It can also be sporadic and happen to every one of us. We need the funds for starting clinical trial of gene therapy cure for NF2 brain tumor schwannomas. Sorry if I butchered that word. Preliminary research proved it to be successful on animals. So the mission of this group is um, to seek a cure or preventative treatment for NF2 by vigorously supporting and advancing existing and next generation biomedical technologies like gene therapy and immunotherapy. And uh, this can include sponsorship of research and development of therapies. Yeah, so their vision is to uh, see a world where those living with NF2 will have access to cutting-edge solutions to live full and productive lives free from daily physical and emotional pain or suffering. Um, Yeah, so it's NF2 Biosolutions, and that is uh, my, my cousin, uh, it's his, uh, gosh, I don't know if he's seven or eight, but it's his young son has been diagnosed with that terrible disease. So we've been working really hard to fundraise for them. I will, of course, include links for that and some information about it on the podcast website. I have the one final question at the end here. Take it back to authenticity. I know we went a lot of different ra- ways, which is how it goes. I'm very good at going on tangents and, and have a harder time staying on track. So th- this is my way of buttoning it up and making it seem like everything was perfect all along and all about authenticity. So the question that I ask, what advice would you give to anyone listening about how they can be their most authentic selves? I feel like life is full of like ebbs and flows and sometimes there's more emphasis on one aspect of your life for one portion of your life and then you sort of move away from that and focus on something else and maybe different people come in and out of your life and I think that's like exciting to me because if life was like the same exact thing all the time that'd be pretty boring (laughs) um but throughout all those ebbs and flows and like this winding journey of life trying to figure out why the heck we're here and what we're meant to do for me I try to like check in with myself and ask myself like hard questions about how I'm spending my time and the people I'm spending my time with and what sort of impact do I want to have on the world and I I think a challenge that I've had is um, right now I feel like I'm only having an impact on like a small little circle which is like our little family but like being in survival mode sort of with like little kids um I've sort of accepted like that's okay and the biggest thing I can do right now for to make the biggest impact on the world is to do everything I can to be a good parent and so I'm I'm focusing on that and I'm I think it's okay to say no to things that don't fit in your life at certain times and maybe they'll fit in your life again later we only have so much time so just prioritizing what means the most to us and what's going to impact people the most and I feel like I'm rambling a little bit now Um, but really I think it ultimately comes down to making meaningful wholehearted connections with the people we love I appreciate you doing this even though it was uh, initially I felt like I was pulling teeth well, let me just, uh, let's back up here a second. <laughs> so it's, what time is it right now? It's a it's late, like, late 9.45. <laughs> but it's a Thursday night. We both work full time and it's a, a weeknight, which means a couple hours ago we did bedtime with the kids and I actually 
fell asleep putting them to bed yeah which happens so, like, all the time you know to both taking of us. like basically it ended up being a nap at like eight o'clock and then to wake up from like an early evening nap like that and try <laughs> to like be functional um is tough but i will say once we got into this i was pretty excited and i always enjoy having these meaningful conversations with you and i think that you are pretty authentic in pursuing these different creative endeavors that you have and i'm always i think that i tend to think that everybody is as driven as you because i'm like oh like i just know you as danton and i assume that everyone's as (laughs) driven as Danton but then I meet other people and they're like oh my god he's doing a podcast like how does he have time for that he's doing story slams like what how does he make room for that in his life but like you just find a way and you're like super determined and you're not afraid to put yourself out there creatively which we've been talking about this but I sort of like have never really done that so props to you for putting yourself out there and just like diving in without really knowing what it's all going to look like in the end but you're doing it and it's easy to have ideas but it's hard to actually execute them so well done <laughs> thank you hon uh this is the part where i awkwardly thank my guests normally but my guest is my wife so this is a little bit weird but you can still thank me i th- thank you again yes <laughs> thank you so i also want to thank all the listeners who tuned in this week you can follow on facebook Twitter, all sorts of places. Go to twohippodcast.com slash subscribe for all the details. And if you have comments, feedback, guest recommendations, questions, segment, or topic recommendations, please send a message on twohippodcast.com slash contact or email twohippodcast at twohippodcast.com. A lot of redundancy there. should be easy enough to remember. And I think that's everything. Thank you again. This has been the Two Hip Podcast. Mm-hmm.